what a bombastic way to start the week of March 27th as Lamar Jackson woke everyone up this morning as we taped this Monday with his bombshell of a trade request as he wants out of Baltimore after he and the team have not been able to come to terms on a deal for the last two years. What does that mean for the Bengals? What does that mean for Joe Burrow? More than you think. And we're going to talk about that right here. Welcome into another off-season special edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Andrew Gillis continue holding down the fort. Mike Nizek will be back with us later this week. And uh, Andrew, like I said, Lamar Jackson, who, of course, does not have an agent, has been representing himself, hasn't said much on Twitter, although when he does, there's always something interesting about it. But this was the loudest tweet uh, he sent out in a while, which is that he wants out of Baltimore, that the Ravens have not been giving him what he believes is his inherent value. So ironically, this was three minutes, I think three or four minutes before John Harbaugh spoke at the owners meetings in Phoenix. And he played it off pretty well. I will, I will say with the coach speak of, ah, we love Lamar Jackson. We're fired up about him. We can't wait for him to be back next year. He obviously hadn't seen the tweet. He didn't know about the trade request. So he just kind of played it off. I think the way other people would have played it off, you know, if they were in his position, because he really didn't know. But it makes me wonder, first off, I want your take on this. Do you think, like, Lamar purposely waited to tweet it, like, three minutes before that? Or do you think he didn't even know exactly when John was going to speak? Because I don't know how much Lamar knows about that. But do you, do you think that was a calculated move? I just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah, it, it kind of felt, um, you know, the the coincidence of that, you know, would be pretty significant if, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he decides to, to take to that news you know, I mean, just to kind of peel back the curtain here for people who don't really know, um, you know, the way that the offseason kind of works for, you know, for interviews for coaches is you talk to them at the combine. Um, once the combine's over, typically you get, you know, maybe, maybe a free agency signing, you know, if they if they do something big or they make a trade. But then aside from that, you don't really get to talk to them until until you get to offseason workouts or the or the draft. So. I mean, this is probably I, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn because I don't know the situation in Baltimore, but this is probably, you know, one of the first times that that John has talked since since the combine. So, uh, I mean, that's over a month away now or over a month gone now. So feels feels a little a uh, little on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and obviously, I think he really didn't know about that tweet. And he's not a guy who's on social media. Like, he's one of those coaches who, you know, you can look it up. He's not on Twitter. But but I wanted to just kind of set that stage and bring this back to Cincinnati because, I mean, you could talk about what does this mean for other quarterbacks wanting to get deals? What does this mean for, you know, Deshaun Watson? Like, what did his, you know, contract mean for him? And, you know, you could talk all about that. I know uh, the Browns podcast people have talked a lot about that. And, that's not stopping anytime soon, but to just kind of bring it back to, you know, Cincinnati, you know, there's really two parts to this. I think the first part I want to touch on for now, before we get to the second part, the first part is, you know, what does it mean for the Bengals from an X's and O's standpoint? Because you got to think about this for the last five years, you've had to deal with him twice a year. I guess really the last four, cause his rookie year, he didn't come in immediately. So like mostly the last five years you've dealt with him. You dealt with him when he was an MVP in 2019 when the Bengals were rock bottom before Joe Burrow since Joe Burrow I mean once Burrow became healthy after he tore his ACL like they've been two of the better quarterbacks in the division and now that you have Deshaun Watson in the mix and Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh who there's still more questions and answers as to what the Steelers are going to look like offensively you know in 2023 
when you think about the possibility of Lamar Jackson not being in Baltimore next year, which I, just in my opinion, I would like to think is probably not going to happen just based on the way everything's unfolded. I mean, how much does that shift the power dynamics in the AFC North, not just for the Bengals, but I mean, with respect to the Browns, like how much does that shift the the power balance in that sense? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty significant kind of moving forward if, if Lamar is no longer going to be uh, in the AFC North. I, I mean, frankly, it, it's kind of a weird situation, right? Because, you know, when, when Lamar tweeted this, and we'll get into this later in the show, he, he tweeted that, um, you know, the, the request came through on March 2nd. And that, I mean, as we record this, it is 5 o'clock on Monday, March 27th. So, I mean, you're talking 25 days ago that, that he requested this trade and only today is, did it become public knowledge. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on there, but, you know, I, I think with I, – I, I just have questions if he's going to leave the division. But if he does, I mean, that's pretty significant because, you know, there, there was always kind of a um, – you know, I think even going into this year, you know, there was a lot of – Hey, how would you rank the AFC quarterbacks? And I think, you know, I made this case. I believed it. You know, I think you could make a case that Lamar was better than Burrow or you'd rather have Lamar than Burrow. And and I don't think that that was necessarily insane to think. Um, it it kind of, to me, felt a little bit like a coin flip. You know, you had only seen Joe Burrow have, you know, one really, really good season. And now that you saw him get better in that third year, um, you saw him play really well, take him to another AFC title game. That that kind of feels like a fantasy land, but um, it, it, it is unique because Lamar is really talented and he is the best dual threat quarterback in the sport. And there's really not many players in the league like him, like in the league's history. And when you don't have to prepare for that every or twice a season, you know, that matters. You know, Lou Anarumo talked about this during the year, like, during OTAs and during training camp every once in a while, they'll, Hey, they'll have a Ravens day where, or they'll, you know, they, and they do this for all their divisional opponents. But, you know, when you have a Ravens day, it's a little bit different because, Hey, today we're working on read option. We're working on, you know, different blocking schemes. We're working on all these different kind of things that the, that the offense does. So it, it kind of changes not only the dynamics of the division because it's really, really hard to find a player who is as good as Lamar Jackson, but it also kind of changes how you have to game plan twice a year because it is just such a unique op- uh, offense to have to try and prepare for. Yeah, I mean, you you just laid out the whole case there, but I mean, like, let's let's look at Lou Anarumo. Like, pretend you're Lou Anarumo, you know, and obviously during the summer, like he said this before in the regular season that there's certain weeks in the off season where you plan for certain games. So one week in the off season, they'll plan for the Titans one week. They'll plan for Baltimore in both cases, obviously, because they're a divisional team. They'll plan for Kansas city. So like, if you know, we're getting into the off season and Lou and Rumo's like, okay, no more Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have fill in quarterback here. Who knows who it will be at that point, which is another conversation. But like if you're Lou and Arumo and, and you're planning specifically for the Ravens and your off season set, you know, how much of a breath of relief can you let go of knowing that when you play Baltimore on the calendar twice a year, it's not like a gimme win because obviously there's no gimme wins in the NFL, but life just gets a whole lot easier. I mean, what do you do if you're Luana Rumo in that point? 
I, well, I mean, if if uh, you're saying if Lamar is 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 gone from the AFC North, yes, yeah, I, I mean, you have to feel better. Um, you know, <laughs> the, you kind of look like you know because it's more. It, I think it's it, you can take this a lot of different ways because you know, yes, you want that quarterback out of the, your division. Ideally, like if you're you know if any any team in the league would want this, you want the other three teams in your in your division to have terrible quarterback situations. Um, you know, you want them to kind of be in flux and not really know what's going on and not really have a plan. Uh, you know that that would kind of be ideal. You know, but uh, you know it, it just kind of depends on um, on what they're going to do in replacement of of Lamar if if Lamar does go because. You know, there's a lot of talk about the Colts. Um, you know, they have the fourth overall pick. With as athletic as Anthony Richardson is, you know, that kind of feels like a nice segue to, you know, keep the offense similar in style. So, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily getting rid of – like getting rid of Lamar is is pretty significant because, again, there's nobody in the league that can do what he does running the ball. Um, th- there's nobody in the sport that that is as electrifying as he is, both in in terms of the run and the pass game. Um, now that does, don't get me wrong, I would you know that doesn't mean he's better than you know Patrick Mahomes or anybody like that. But I, I, it depends on who they're going to replace him with because you know Tyler Huntley they they kind of ran a similar offense uh, with with Huntley back there. Um, you know what if they do get Anthony Richardson? Or, you know, what if they do kind of bring in another, like, what if they trade for Trey Lance? Like, what if they get a mobile guy who can, who can still kind of move around and they're like, Hey, look, we're, we're going to keep the offensive scheme kind of the same thing. Then it's a little bit different Then you're not really, uh, you know, then you're not really changing or then you're not really changing a whole heck of a lot. And you still kind of have those headaches. But uh, I, I mean, you feel you have a pretty big sigh of relief for sure. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing about it is like you're already planning for Patrick Mahomes next year. You're going to plan for Josh Allen again next year. You know, no whoever the Houston Texans take in the CJ Stroud, Bryce Young sweepstakes, you got you got to deal with them next year cuz the Texans are on the schedule. So you could be going against CJ Stroud or Bryce Young in 2023 if the Texans land any of those guys. And same thing with the Colts. Like I mean ironically if the Bengals were to deal with any headaches from Lamar. Like you said, it could be Indianapolis because uh, Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, didn't completely rule that out at the owners' meetings. There was speculation about that, you know, per ESPN Stephen Holder, I think about a week and a half ago at this point. So, I mean, they're in the running. And then supposedly Meek Mill texted Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner, like that Lamar Jackson is interested in being a Patriot. How true that is, we don't know. But... That's what Robert Kraft actually said at the owners' meetings on Monday. So, man, talk about an eventful owners' meetings. Like, there has just been no shortage of fireworks there. And I think the buzz with Lamar is not going anywhere anytime soon. But, you know, as far as, like, kind of going back to the power balance equation, you think about a team like Cleveland. And I know this is a Bengals-centric podcast, but hear me out when I say this. You know, you got Deshaun Watson who's going to come in and play his first full year of football since like what 2020 because he didn't play at all in 2021 and he missed more than half of the season last year in Cleveland when he you know got traded there and signed his deal I mean you got Deshaun Watson locked and loaded I mean they get, they just got Elijah Moore they just got you know a lot of receivers next to you know Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones you still got Nick Chubb 
Um, you have Miles Garrett on the other side of the ball. Like that's a pretty loaded team. I mean, does this maybe give some credence to where okay, the Bengals aren't going to be as worried about the Ravens, but now you're a heck of a lot more worried about the Browns next year in terms of a power balance. Um, you know that's that's an interesting question because you know I I you know I've been grading as kind of a series that we've been doing. I've been grading every team so far uh, in the NFL, just kind of based on the free agency grades. And you look at the Browns and kind of what they did, you know, you bring in two defensive linemen, Dalvin Tomlinson's a really good run stuffer. Uh, you bring in Juan Thornhill, you trade for Elijah Moore. Like the things you're doing make sense. And you, when you lay out their, their lineup, okay. Their offensive line is pretty good. Um, you know, you still have the, those big boys up front that, that, you know, make, I mean, they make Nick Chubb's life really easy. Nick Chubb's still one of the best running backs in football. Yeah. Uh, you have a receiving core with Amari Cooper and, and Donovan Peoples Jones and now Elijah Moore. And like, again, I, Elijah Moore, this is it, like, it's crazy to say that a dude going into his third year is kind of in like a make or break year for his NFL career. But, uh, you know, this this very much feels like if this year doesn't work, like uh, he might he might be in some trouble in terms of, you know, the long term outlook of his career just because, you know, things ended so badly in New York. And now he's got a really, a really, really good opportunity. And I believe in I believe in his talent and I think it's going to work. But, you know, the Browns are weird because everything on paper makes sense. Right. Like, hey, if if the quarterback is is good, like if the quarterback plays to what he is they're you know he's really good same with the running back same with the receivers same with the offensive line their defense was not very good last year they added uh you know a pass rusher opposite miles garrett you add run stuffing help you add a safety like you you fixed the issues that kind of plagued that team and you still i think they have like eight draft picks still so you you can look at the browns and say that everything makes sense like everything on paper looks good but how that's going to translate to the field is very, very interesting to me just because you don't know if it will. Like, is Elijah Moore the guy who kind of everybody thought he was going to be when he got drafted by the Jets? Because if he's not, I mean, the Browns receiving core is still kind of in trouble. Is Deshaun Watson going to become Deshaun Watson of, uh, you know, of 2019, 2020 again? Because if he's not, the Browns are in trouble. People are going to lose jobs. Like it's everything on paper makes sense to me, but if it hits, you should absolutely be scared of the Browns because if everything works out, that's a playoff team. That's a team that's going to contend for the division. Yeah. And I think at that point, like if you're the Bengals and again, this is all with the possibility of no Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, which I, to emphasize, I personally believe is going to be reality, reality. Like I just don't see, I just think with the way everything's unfolded with his cryptic tweet, well, not cryptic because they actually been pretty wide open. We'll talk about that later, but the tweets and then just the standoffs, not getting a deal for the last two years. And just, I think, and really the toxicity that's kind of come out of just all of this. I think at this point, it's probably time for both sides to move on. But yeah, I mean, if, if that happens, like, I mean, who would have thought, like, I mean, go back two years ago, like, so not before last year, but the year before the 2021 season, who would have thought that, like, at this point in time, we'd be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns, who traditionally, like, let's be real, traditionally in the better half of the decade coming into, you know, 2020, last decade, I should say, I can't speak today, Ramadan fast, I mean, 
the Browns and Bengals were the bottom feeders of that division. Like you had, you know, the Ravens had their runs with Joe Flacco, and then later Lamar Jackson gets drafted. You know, he wins MVP. The Steelers still had Ben Roethlisberger. The Bengals were two and fourteen three years ago. The Browns had what their first playoff run three years ago for the first time in two decades. And now you're talking about a world where these two teams could be the top dogs of the AFC North. Like, does that sound crazy to you just hearing that? Um, so it is kind of weird because, you know, for, for so long, I think, you know, the question is too, and, and I mean, this is, I think something we can talk about, you know, as the season draws closer, like for, for a really long time, you know, the, the division of the AFC North was okay. Who's going to win Pittsburgh or, uh, or Baltimore, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, Cincinnati had a nice little run there, but yeah. Like the Steelers Ravens was probably the best rivalry in the sport for, exactly. for a decent amount of time. Yeah. And now you kind of look at it and like it depends on what you think about uh Kenny Pickett. And I'm not a, a big believer in Kenny Pickett. I, I don't think, you know, he's gonna be um I, I don't think he's gonna be kind of a first round talent. Like I think he's he's probably gonna be decent. He's gonna be a fine. But fine doesn't really get you anything. Um, Mike Tomlin's a good enough coach to where they can go, you know, nine and eight in perpetuity. But I just don't, I don't see them kind of ever being a true legitimate, okay, this team is really, really good threat because uh, the defense is really good. The receivers are really good. The offensive line needs work, but you have Najee Harris, like you have Jalen Warren as a one-two punch. Like everything else is kind of set up you know, reasonably as, as, you know, as kind of best you could get it. And I just don't think they're ever going to get there. And now the Ravens are kind of in that same boat where at quarterback, you're like, I don't know, man, that like that defense is getting older, but yeah. So, I mean, the, the Ravens are, are kind of the same thing where, you know, at quarterback, you, you don't really know what's going on. Defense is getting older. The, like, I mean, what are they doing at receiver? Like it very much, I, I think it, it's kind of a, a changing of the guard between, you know, not just, hey, look, here's, you know, here's the division, you know, which, I mean, in 2019, if you would have said this was the way things were going to look, holy crap. Like, that's, that's <laughs> exactly. Insane. Like, yeah. Think about, like, think about where this, think about where this all was in, in 2019. Like, the, um, the, uh, the, the Bengals were coming off of, just a miserable season you know that was like the tank for two a year they were bad the browns were six and ten like everything just felt like it was falling apart for for cleveland and for cincinnati and they really didn't feel like a lot of relief in sight the ravens had just gone 14 and two uh they you know they lamar had just won mvp and even in like 2020 i mean it's still like that the ravens were good they made the playoffs the Steelers won twelve and four. The Brown, I know the Browns made the playoffs as well, but like everything just kind of felt very unstable in in Ohio. And now here we are. Yeah, here we are. And stay with us because when we come back, we're going to talk about the other half of what the Lamar Jackson saga means for Joe Burrow, his contract extension, uh, looming contract extension, I should say, uh, and what the Bengals can take away from that. Plus more free agency talk. Uh, because uh, there is still a little bit of that going on when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. And if you still don't know what Cincinnati Football Insider is, 
listen up. It's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the podcast and the reporters who cover the team. Here's how it works. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. And it's the inside scoop on what we're hearing. And we're giving you the inside word before it even hits social media. If you join Cincinnati Football Insider, you get to participate on the podcast and you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Just try it for two weeks. And if you don't like it, you can text the word stop at any time. But you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. So here's how you get on board. Text 513-940-4193 or go to cleveland.com slash Bengals and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. It's a great time to join as we're covering the NFL draft, OTAs, mini camps, and much more to come later this year. So give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text again the number 513-940-4193. All right, and thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, you know, Andrew, we just talked a good, you know, almost 20 minutes about, you know, if you're Luana Rumo, you're the Bengals coaching staff, and you're planning for a world without Lamar Jackson in the AFC North, you know, what does that mean? And, we you know, you really t- talked about the changing of the, the guard, you know, because there's no more Ben Roethlisberger. He's retired. You might not have any more Lamar Jackson. And now you got Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson. And like you said in your own words, holy hell, we could be here in a matter of just, God knows how long until that actually fully becomes a reality. Um, But we also, you know, I think the other side of this that will become a reality soon is, you know, Joe Burrow is due for a contract extension. And like, it's almost guaranteed to say that like he will get paid how much he gets paid, what that looks like completely up in the air. No one even truly knows at this point, but we do know that there will be a payday. Um, And so if you look at just, a lot of the, <laughs> you want to call it the kinks and bolts of just uh, the Lamar Jackson saga. And, and there is a lot to talk about because I, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this or we haven't seen much like this. I mean, if you are, you know, Joe Burrow's agent, you know, you're the Bengals, you're Duke Tobin, Mike Brown, Katie Blackburn. You know, you're looking at this whole mess going on in Baltimore because we can call it what it is, a mess. What do you learn from that? And how do you apply those lessons to a Joe Burrow extension? to make sure that, you know, and not that you will have like a repeat of that, but to make sure that you really nail down the details and keep your quarterback with a Brinks truck right behind, you know, Paycor Stadium ready to pay him. Yeah, um, you know, to me, the number one thing, you don't even have to worry about if you're Joe Burrow or the Bengals or a Bengals fan or whatever. And it's because uh, Joe Burrow has an agent. Um, you know, Joe Burrow is represented. Joe Burrow is not representing himself. Uh, that to me, that, I mean, th- like there are a lot of issues with that, that people have kind of discussed. Um, and I mean, it, you can really take this in several different ways, but you know, not having an agent, it, it creates a, a, a kind of a power struggle because what is an agent there to do? It's there to represent you on your behalf, right? You know, so if you're if you're negotiating a contract, think I mean in your own daily life, if you're a football player or if you're a teacher or if you're an engineer, it doesn't matter. And you go to your employer, like you kind of have to do this yourself, right? Like if if you're not an athlete, you have to go to whoever your employer is and you have to say, I believe I am worth X. Pay me X. 
and they tell you no. And sometimes, like, everybody's kind of experienced this, you get your feelings hurt a little bit. You kind of feel, you know, you kind of feel disrespected. And that's, I think, kind of where we're at, I think, with this thing. I think, you know, it has gotten a little personal because, you know, Lamar has to go to, and especially when the money is is this big and when status is so much more important, like, in, you know, when you when your money is public and your salary is public and everybody knows what you're making and you know it's kind of a hey this guy's making this this guy's making that i want to make this you like lamar is now in a situation where he had to go to the ravens and say i want and and like again he's disputed some reports he's disputed a lot of this he has to go to the ravens and say i want this and the ravens have to look their franchise quarterback dead in the eye and say no we don't think you're worth that. Like that, that burns some bridges just oh, in yeah. general because, you know, right now, you know, Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow could be quote unquote negotiating his contract and his agent could be on the phone with Duke Tobin and his agent comes back to him and says, Hey, here's what we're thinking. And he goes, okay, well I want this or that. And, and, and there's a middleman for that. And, and Joe doesn't have to focus on that. And that's a really big benefit. Uh, the second part of this that I want to touch on as I kind of rant here is I I mentioned this at the top. Lamar tweeted on March 2nd that he, uh, that he requested a trade and that was 25 days ago. And I believe uh, as I should have looked this up beforehand, but I believe that they slapped the non-exclusive tag on him on March 7th. So they knew that the trade request was there. And to me, what, like an agent is there to negotiate for you on the on your behalf and all of those things and and he's there to to kind of be your be your contract liaison right like everybody knows what an agent does but what an agent also does is protect you and kind of serve as your PR PR guide because again I, I mentioned this in the Bengals media room I've kind of felt like Lamar was winning this PR battle. Because as soon as they slap the tag on him and all of a sudden you have all these teams come out of nowhere and say, oh, well, we're not interested in Lamar. We're not going to we're not going to pursue him. We're not going to pursue him. Oh, the commanders are out. The Falcons are out. This team's out. This team's out. It felt a little like, frankly, it felt a little fishy that like within an hour, everybody was like, I don't know. And like, look, I get it. There were reporters for those various teams texting, you know, hey, texting the GM, texting a scout, texting whoever in the front office saying, what's the word on this? It just felt very, it felt very like, I'm trying to think of the word. It felt, it, it didn't feel right that you have a former MVP quarterback out there who's now available for the price of two first round picks, like with a contract extension and nobody was interested in him. Like it, it kind of felt like everybody was like, why isn't Lamar that? Why isn't this? Why isn't that? you're only now learning about this stuff. You need an agent to kind of, to be your PR front and to kind of be your representation in the media and to reporters and for interviews that he might want to do. And, and I, he's not getting any of that. And I know this is a rant here, but I, I just, he, I'm not saying that you always need an agent. I, I, I genuinely <laughs> think Joe Burrow could do this without an agent. He could walk in, to uh, he could walk into the Bengals front office and say, here's what I want. And the Bengals are more or less going to have to agree to it. 
but with with Lamar, well, I just well, let, me, let me pause you there real quick. Let me, let me pause like you there real quick, quick, Andrew. Not to cut you off there. I'm sorry, but to pause real quick. Why, why do you think Joe Burrow could walk in and do that, but not Lamar? Well, I I, I think the, the situations are different, right? I think you know with Lamar, there are some some durability questions. Uh, you know, Lamar hasn't finished the last two years because of an injury. Uh, you know, you worry like again. I, I personally would have no problem with this. I mean, he's Lamar is 26. If I was a team like the commanders or the, I'm trying to think of another team that would be close. Like the lions, I think should be all over this. Like if I was a team like in that, in that situation where I'm like looking at this going, Hey, we, we might be, you know, a quarterback away from, you know, from really kind of making some noise, especially if you're in the NFC where, you know, who like who are the top three quarterbacks in the NFC Jalen hurts, Jack Prescott, Kyler Murray, like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> crazy. I, I just, there, there are certain things in the NFC that I would really be interested in. So, in, in trying to make that move. So, um, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, I just think that Joe is so meaningful to this city and to this franchise, and there aren't really, really durability questions, kind of like there are with Lamar. You worry about. You know, hey, if Lamar, if you sign Lamar to a nine-year deal, what is he going to look like years, you know, seven, eight, nine of that contract if some of his athleticism wanes, if even if he stays healthy? Because what makes Lamar so great and so special is his is his ability to move and his ability to run. And if he loses some of that, you might be in trouble. Okay, that's fair. No, I, I'm actually glad you explained that because I think a lot of people are looking at it as like, you know, is Lamar just that crazy in the sense of he doesn't have an agent, which could argue he is or is it that he is just not like he he's not built in the sense that he can go in there and look at Eric DaCosta and you know Ozzie Newsom and whoever else in the Ravens front office and say I want this and you made such a really good point Andrew of like here's the thing that I think gets forgotten in all the noise is like it's not easy to like look at your boss in this case I guess it'd be DaCosta and you know whoever's with him like it's not easy to look at these guys and say you're not worth this you're not worth that. Like, you're going to take it personal. I mean, it really isn't. But in this case, it absolutely is going to be personal to Lamar because it's not going through his agent where the agent is sitting in the room and doing the negotiating. Because, I mean, obviously, I've never sat in on these negotiations, but it's usually the agent that does the heavy lifting of like, well, you know, he did this last year. He did X, Y, and Z. Like, that's my understanding of at least the semblance of what goes into those things of like, Hey, he can do this in the fourth quarter. Other players at this value can't like, that's where a lot of that comes in. But when you're the one doing it yourself and you're getting that piercing criticism of, well, you've been hurt. So we can't pay you this much or well, just because Deshaun, I mean, I'm hypothesizing Deshaun Watson made this, but this is why it doesn't apply to you. Like you're going to hear all that. Like he is, and he's going to, go out on Twitter and I mean like you can just kind of tell he's giving it away like with the tweets he had like there's one last week he had where like it was a photoshop picture of I think it was Ben Affleck with a Ravens jersey smoking a cigarette and he was like it's something about mental health awareness I don't remember exactly what it was but I think he's just trying to imply that like his head is just kind of full of everything but well, like, and, like you and- said though it's it's kind of on him he put this on himself. Yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, with your own representation, you don't have to worry about it. But, I, I mean, you, you do kind of get where Lamar's coming from in, in some of this where, you know, you look at the situation, like, all right, Lamar in, in his first five years in the league has, 
you know, a 45 and 16 record as a starting quarterback. That's really good. And then you look at a guy like Josh Allen, who's 52 and 24 is a starting quarterback. You know, Josh Allen has made two pro bowls. Lamar Jackson has made two pro bowls and was an MVP. Like, there are kind of numbers, you know, that, that can stack. I mean, and I'm not saying that, you know, you would rather have Lamar over Josh Allen or whatever, but I think there are, there are certain things that you can point to to say like, hey, Lamar's got some of a case here, um, you know, but in terms of things that I think, you know, actually can be transferred over and lessons that can kind of be learned by the Bengals and by Burrow and, and frankly by any other team is, you know, yeah. you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want this to extend this long. Um, you yeah. know, this is Joe Burrow has been eligible for a contract extension for, you know, a few weeks now. Like th- you, you don't really want to have this going on in, uh, you know, you don't want to have to, Hey, Hey, you know, you don't want to have to say, excuse me, that Joe Burrow is going to be playing under the fifth year option in 2024. And then we're going to franchise tag him in 2020. Like you, you don't want this to drag out. Um, I, I think that that that's pretty fair. I don't think the Bengals would let it get to that point. And you certainly don't want to let negotiations become public. Um, you know, Joe Burrow is not really active on, on a ton of social media, but I can't imagine Joe Burrow is going to be, you know, refuting reports on his own by saying, hey, you know, this actually never happened. I never got offered this or this was what they offered, actually, not this. Like you, you, there are certain things that you can control. And I just think you, you can't let some of this get into the media. You can't let some of this kind of get out in the open. You want it all behind closed doors. And I think the Ravens would say the same thing. You know, you of course. want everything kind of in the in the conference room, in the war room, if you will. So, you know, I think, you know, the two big things are, you know, the agent, you got one of them, bo- you got one of those boxes checked if you're the Bengals uh, and you're Burrow. But, you know, the other two cannot let it go on this long and you cannot, cannot let, hey, Joe Burrow turned down this amount of money. Hey, Lamar turned down this amount of money. Joe Burrow, turned, you can't, you can't do that. You you have to let everything kind of stay behind closed doors. No, I mean that's that's the thing. Is like, luckily for Joe Burrow, I mean he's a very kind of you know low key, socially not out there kind of person like Lamar is. So very different personalities for starters. But I mean, this is not really a knock on Lamar, but I think Joe knows better. I mean, even if he didn't have an agent, I think yeah, he just he knows better than to go on Twitter and like start fighting with reporters or, or like quote tweeting reporters and refuting this and that left and right and having these like outlandish tweets. But Adrian, you laid out, you know, all of these really, I will say, well put examples of like how such a big situation can apply to even the most stable of places like Cincinnati, where like a Joe Burrow extension is the least of your worries and similar extensions for other players in the future, like Jamar Chase probably won't be much of a worry either, but the, the thing about Lamar is there's always something to be said about like any situation like this, even if it's like in a place like Baltimore and you're in a place far away from there, like there's still something to be learned from this. And you, you laid out a lot of the learning lessons. And so, you know, that was really well put. Um, and I mean, that's just really scratching the surface of it. So really well said there, Andrew, just to kind of wrap up here, not to take up too much time, but uh, we've talked a lot about if the Bengals are going to bring back Eli Apple, what his future looks like in Cincinnati. I think we may have gotten a potential answer or at least a partial answer to that. And um, that is that the Bengals signed Sidney Jones, who last played with the Vegas Raiders, um, who was a free agent this offseason, signed him to a one-year deal. Uh, hasn't really played 
we'll say this. It's not that he hasn't played well. He hasn't played consistent, has had a lot of injuries. Former second-round pick who spent the bulk of his early career with the Eagles. He was on their Super Bowl championship roster, but he did not play because of those injuries. So, I mean, you look at this guy. He's a journeyman. He's played in Jacksonville, Seattle, Philly, and most recently Las Vegas. Put up really good numbers his last full season in 2021 before he was traded to the Raiders. Do you think that the Bengals are looking at him as their Eli Apple insurance option? Or is he an insurance option behind who they hope would be Eli Apple on the roster? Like, do you think that move signals the end of, uh, you know, the end of Eli Apple's time in Cincinnati? Or, yeah, I, I think yeah. that, you know, you kind of can look at the, the way that the cornerback depth chart has kind of, you know, shaken out here over the, over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, you've got Cheeto, you've got Cam Taylor Britt, you've got Mike Hilton. Those are your top three. You've got Jalen Davis. You re-signed him. He's your backup slot. Then you've got uh, Alan George. He's on the roster as well. Then you got Sidney Jones. And again, you, you just kind of run out of numbers, um, you know, because if you're going to carry three specialists and presumably, you know, you would split you would split the offensive and defensive, uh, you know, roster spots, 25-25, or ideally you would. Uh, well, you can't carry like eight corners. And, um, you know, like I said, I think this team needs another safety. I think you're going to add one in the draft. I think they're going to add a corner in the draft too. I, I would expect that kind of a middle round guy because, you know, if Cheeto's not healthy to start the year, you know, that, that kind of screams to me that, Hey, look, here's a guy with, you know, who's got some experience who can play opposite Cam Taylor Britt and, and kind of be that, that starter until Cheeto's fully healthy and fully ready to go. But yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that you can, Unless something crazy happens where there's just like zero market for Eli Apple or for uh, for Trey Flowers, I think uh, I think they're they're they they seem ready to to move on at this point. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Trey Flowers because he's obviously more of a slot corner who you know they they put against tight ends and sub packages that they played during the year. I, I mean, for what he's worth. I'm actually, first of all, I'm surprised neither of them have gotten any offers. I don't think like neither of them have visited teams, have talked to teams. Like I'm a little bit more shocked with Trey Flowers because I actually thought that he might get some interest elsewhere. But man, Eli Apple's in a tough spot. I mean, it looks like the Bengals are done with him and then he hasn't visited anybody. Like we said, at least reportedly that we know about to our knowledge. Um, He's going to be 28 this year. He's played seven years. That's... It's not looking good for him. And again, I don't know if it's because people look at him like, yeah, he just doesn't have anything left in the tank. Or if it's that mixed in with his social media is just toxic and we don't want him in our locker room, which there's already two other teams that feel that way that he played for. So I don't know how the other 29 teams, excluding the Bengals, feel about that. Who knows? But I think that signals the end of the Eli Apple chapter in Cincinnati. And yeah, I mean, I think that's just the best way moving forward for them. I mean, he's he's a veteran. Jones is, you know, he's proven that when he is healthy, he can play well. And maybe they want to take one more chance with him, and maybe he proves himself this year. So, 
best of luck to him, and we'll definitely break down the, the defensive depth chart you know, in the coming days and weeks to come. But stay with us this week. We're going to talk more about uh, some of the biggest takeaways uh, that Zach Taylor had at the owners' meetings this week in Phoenix as he spoke on Monday. We're going to talk more about the outlook of the Bengals' depth chart, if they got better, where they got better, and much more bigger picture questions leading into the month of April. But once again, for myself and Andrew, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. I'll see you on Tuesday.